0: Jesus, we give everyone and everything to you. The things that come at us in a day or in a week are more than we can handle. And we'll fret and worry and try to solve and do and fix and then we get overwhelmed and stressed so we give everyone and everything to you. Would you work? Would you make a way? Lord, we know you are the God that can stop a river. You're the God that can split the sea. You can stop the sun at midday. You can put dew on a fleece and keep the ground dry. And you can reverse it and make the ground dewy and the fleece dry. You can defeat an army. You can give a, a vision, a dream to anyone in any context that wakes them up to their need for you. You're the way maker, Lord. And we just pray that you would make a way in all those areas that are worrying us, plaguing us, that are difficult for us, that you would work. And we pray for our own city, Lord. There's unrest there's disagreements. There's protests. Would you work in our city? Would you give wisdom to our leaders? Would they listen to you? Did, we're going to hear from the Lighthouse Mission today, and we just pray that your hand would be on the ministries there, uh, on the people they're connecting to. You'd protect them. Or There's a lot of uh, dissent and hostility and frustration that comes at them. And would you, would you put your hand over them and Hans and the leadership team and the board there? Would you provide for their needs? And would you expand our heart to reach out to the hurting, the struggling in our community? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Welcome here. Good to have you here among us. Good to have you at home. We welcome you. And uh, in this season uh, where we've been focusing on Living out the love of Christ, experiencing love, extending it to our community. We've been hearing from lots of our community ministry partners. Last week, we introduced one called the Foster Closet, and it's it's a ministry that collects new clothes and toys and allows uh, anyone who's in the foster parenting to come and get them for free, just to help. So we're doing a little drive. If you want to participate, they're looking for new clothing or new toys. And we're, uh, we're collecting them out there, or you can go right to Amazon and, and ship it right to them, and you can find more details, northwest-church.com, and we have a page there for Foster Closet. But we just want to bless, we want to love, we want to reach out, we want to bless people who are walking with families and kids in a challenging circumstance there. And uh, so today, part of our, our uh, series, we are going to hear from... Hans, who's the director of the Lighthouse Mission. And every time I hear him, every time I'm around him, uh, I'm more and more impressed with his mindset, his attitude, the focus of the mission. I'm inspired by him. And uh, you'd think after years of of working in in that kind of a ministry, there's a thing called compassion fatigue. And people start to get burned out and carrying people's problems. And you start hearing lots of theys. You know, well, they did that again, and those people went in there, and they wrecked the bathroom, and they kicked over the wall, and those, and them, and they. You hear none of that with Hans. You hear compassion. You hear people whom Jesus loves. And so, so the video was so good. We're, we're just going to make it flow through our whole service. I broke it up into four sections, so we'll watch a little bit. I'll come back and and compare some scripture with that and we'll we'll watch this and I'm just trusting God's going to do some great things in our heart, in our community because of it. So this first little segment is just Hans introducing himself to us. If If you're not familiar with the Lighthouse Mission or their work, this is kind of an introduction. So let's do video one here.
1: Seattle for a couple years, then went to seminary up in Vancouver, B.C., and, and then came back to Bellingham. i lived out my days here, and it's, uh, it's a joy. I'm a dad of two young kids, and a husband to a wonderful
0: wife, and uh, yeah, life here is, is truly a gift. Well, you're right. This is one of the best places to live. So now let's jump into the, we're going to go right to the me here. Talk about what's the homelessness situation today. We all see it, there's news stories, we're driving by downtown, I'll just speak into the current crisis. You bet. Homelessness
1: has been front page news here in our community for a while now. And uh, in large part with COVID-19 really impacting the situation around homelessness, uh, we're seeing we're seeing the need, or at least you're more sensitized to the need, I would say, in uh, a significant and especially in light of the isolation that many of us experience uh, with COVID, having to stay home, can't get out, those sorts of things, but also mental health that comes from that kind of isolation, those challenges, as well as the addictions uh, that are happening. You know, there's huge amounts of, of alcohol addiction, cannabis addiction, just the sales have gone through the roofs. And, uh, and so, yeah, the homelessness situation is such that uh, the need is, is growing. Uh, And we've seen it, right, on City Hall's lawn. We've seen it uh, now at Jerry Fields over by Cedarfield. Field. And what we're seeing there are the folks that are generally younger in nature, that don't necessarily want to have any structure in their life, uh, that want the autonomy. And um, uh, and other folks, too, that may have been uh, exited from base camp. welcome back and we tell them every time we want you back uh, but it might require a safety plan um, those are some of the things happening and so it's really front and center in the public eye I've seeing a lot of Herald articles about it lots of social media about it there's lots of misinformation that gets put out there about what the mission does and what our community has in terms of services for people in homelessness and so I've gotten a huge headache having to respond to all that stuff I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure you have
2: <laughs> but yeah it's, it's a
1: sectionality and these things that make, that suggest folks on the margins have the greater truth. And it's their voice uh, that is true over and above reason or the scriptures or or tradition or things like this. And so there's, there's a, a new sort of uh, a feeling in the air um, that has shifted somewhat, I would say, our culture and our community. And so we're seeing a lot of mission. stuck staying in the woods because of the well and
0: Doesn't he just say the same things we've been talking about with the post Christian culture and some of the, the frustrations and challenges, and they're facing it down there? So, before we get into his, how he describes the transformation, um, I just want to set us up with a scripture Isaiah 61. If you want to follow along, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 61. And just, he's going to talk about how to enter into the issue, he's going to talk about the, you know, what, what it takes. But I wanted to set us up with a reminder of Isaiah 61, which is the passage that Jesus read from. You can read this in Luke 4. When Jesus starts his ministry and enters the synagogue, uh, he grabs the scroll and he reads this scripture and says, this is, this is the, he's going to fulfill it. So Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they might be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And so, the greatest thing we want to remember is that Jesus is the one that liberates, Jesus is the one that breaks free, and not everyone's prison or or bondage is related to homelessness or addiction. We can get in bondage and prosperity, in bondage to power, or bondage to our stuff. We need. Jesus to do it and he is the transforming agent and I love how it says he he makes he makes you a planting of the Lord this oak when God's planted your life it's solid and it's rooted but it says he's glorified it's not about us it's about him so we're going to watch this next segment here and Hans is going to walk through three steps of transformation the process they use uh, to see lives turned around to to introduce people to this Jesus who does that so let's take a look here
1: seeing a life transformed. That's, that's key for us. I could care less. I mean, I, I care about it, but it's, that's not this. the secondary to transform life is getting a roof over someone's head or food in their belly. Okay? Three hots in a cot. That's, that's not going to transform a life. What we do is we use a three-part kind of tiered structure system. Imagine like scaffolding to get someone to a place of a flourishing life. People come in the door, uh, we're not even in the door, we're doing our outreach, connecting with folks out on the street with our shower connect trailer, which has actually got a hold uh, with COVID. Uh, but our vans are going out, the Street Connect vans. We've got a new program starting up called Joy Riders, where people are on electric scooters with, with uh pressurized backpacks full of coffee offering a radical hospitality <laughs> for downtown uh, Bellingham. And do I have to be homeless to get some coffee? <laughs> you <don't>? just down, <laughs> yeah, we'll get it to you. You'll see it. We got these teal helmets and backpacks and Electric scooters, but the idea is to to invite people in to services to start that um, those first steps of getting your life back, and that's outreach. So outreach, and it really takes a lot of trust building and friendship making to get someone to take those next steps because you're in survival mode. You're only thinking about what's in front of you. It's a really it's a horrific thing being homeless. I mean, if you're chronically homeless and female, hundred percent chance. It's like come in. You got three meals. You got a safe place to store your stuff. You got mats to sleep on. It's not the Taj Mahal, but you know you're going to be safe there. Uh, Take showers. Get your laundry done. You got case managers, believers, people that are going to point you to Jesus, coming around you and saying, "We want you here. You have something to offer, right? This is a uh, you have." are well trained in de-escalation and if someone is causing harm to the community we ask them to leave for a time potentially but always with the opportunity to come back uh, no one ever gets blacklisted everyone always has a chance to come back but not everyone wants to come either i mean some people that it's not we have a tempered climate people can survive out there many do uh, it's not the crisis that some people say <laughs> it can be uh, they want to get real severe weather but but generally it's pretty easy to and so, although the dangers of sexual assault, different things are still there. So the next stage, though, is recovery. And that's where we put so much emphasis. Recovery is, is uh, it's when people are bringing their deepest wounds out and into the light to be healed. That's where uh, real traction takes place and transformation. It takes friendship and trust and all this at the front end uh, in order to get to that place where you have the energy and the motivation and the Holy Spirit's tapping into your heart and saying, "Yes, I love you. Wow. You matter. Uh, you're mine. You're wanted here." And when that stuff it gives you the energy to face those those deep wounds from the past and get the healing that you need. So you don't need the addiction or the life dysfunction, whatever it is that's driving your homelessness. You don't need that stuff anymore because you're healed. And you choose is that a choice from base camp to say, "I want to enter recovery," or it begins even while you're in base camp, or is there sort of a, a decision they make to go further? It's always a, a choice. People are always making these decisions for themselves. And some are greater levels of motivation than others. It's never a required thing, but it's highly encouraged. And it's usually, I mean we find it's most effective, when people want to do it. And so when you paint pictures, you give them on tours, and you, especially the folks that are relapsing a lot, we have our staff come down from our recovery programs in Old town and connect with those folks and say, hey, man, you've been... Kicked out of here a few times now. Are you ready? Okay. And that's like I'm ready because okay. I've had enough. And it's different things that that cause motivation for change. But that's that's where the, the the richness is when people really are getting the recovery work done. But what comes next? The third and final tier of what we offer is our restoration stage. We call it, and that's where once you've done the healing work, this ten months as you do, when you start seeing the traction, people are really like they're going to make it. Uh, a year, year and a half. This restoration stage. This restoration stage is getting your kids back out of CPS. Mm-hmm. right? It's getting a place to live. It's getting, becoming marketable in the workplace to where you can get a job that can sustain a family. It's the aftercare the, the case managers offer when you have moved out. And you still need that connection point. It's the church. Yes. It's the church yes. connecting people. What's the opposite of addiction?
2: Connection. It's when people are able to invite you to the barbecue. Right? They're bringing you the chicken noodle
1: soup when you're sick. It's that kind of thing that, that I think the
0: church is beautifully built to minister to, be a part of. Okay, I've never heard that before. Let's go back on that. When someone doesn't have connection, and they have a lot of pain, they turn to addiction, but if there's connection available,
1: Self-worths in the toilet, and that's so many of the folks that come through our doors are hating
2: themselves for the travesty of the life they leave behind. And so, have an environment,
1: a safe place where you can be honest, where you can be vulnerable when you mess up, because the church. what our folks need as that's they're starting when they get to the mission and get through those tears those uh, and needs to be carried on for the rest of their life and they have so much to offer and the beauty I would say is this the things they have to offer
0: Isn't that a beautiful picture? Let's go, let's go through those three phases and look at them in light of John chapter 4. If you want to open to John chapter 4, we see something very similar play out in the life of Jesus and his outreach in John chapter 4. So that, that first tier, that first uh, scaffolding Hans painted was called outreach, outreach, so we're going to see that in John chapter 4. We'll start in verse 7, but the story is Jesus is is traveling and he goes through Samaria, which is a, a town that sort of is like the hated half-brother, you could say. And So there's sort of ethnic and religious hostility and barriers between Jews and Samaritans. And then Jesus is walking through and he comes and he sits down at this well. And that's where we pick up the story. 4 verse 7, a woman But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So what did Hans say? That there is an outreach with radical, no-strings-attached friendship. And you see that. Jesus crosses several barriers. He crosses an ethnic barrier where there's hostility. He crosses a religious barrier where there's hostility. He crosses a gender barrier where men and women didn't communicate in public like this. And he reaches out. And at first, he just starts a generic conversation. Can you give me some water? But then he, he offers her something. Right? But if you'd have asked me, I would have given you living water. And that's that picture I see the mission painting. They're just reaching out to people in desperate situations and say, there's living water. You don't have to be here anymore. And it's something we want to incorporate. We want to radically love and reach out to people and just say, there's living water in Jesus. No strings attached. I want to give it to you. I want to share it with you. And Jesus goes to this person. So the next phase Hans described for us was recovery, right? I've got to face the challenges. So that's where we see Jesus goes to recovery. Let's look in verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, uh, no, sorry, I lost my place. Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Remember Hans was explaining, they can't move forward, you can't break these patterns, these addictions until you deal with the deep core issues. The core issue isn't that you don't have a house, the core issue is some kind of hurt, past, failure, and Jesus goes right to her core issue and draws it up. She's had some kind of problem with men or some kind of idolatry. If I just had this one, if I just had another one, it keeps not working. If I just had another one, and, and this is the source of her pain, her shame, her problem. And Jesus says, we've got to bring that up. Didn't you hear Hans say that? It's got to come into the light. What's in your past? What's holding you back? What's keeping you in addiction? We've got to draw it up and have Jesus deal with it. So Jesus goes right to that place. Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> she just read my mail. Uh, so she does a quick change the subject. Let's talk religion, not my personal life. Uh, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So in this restoration phase, you realize that God wants you. I love when Hans painted that picture that the Holy Spirit's drawing you. and He says, I want you, and I want to change you. And Jesus says to this woman, the Father is seeking worshipers. And no matter, we might not find ourselves in homelessness today, but we can often find ourselves held back, held in sin, and the Spirit of God is saying, I want you. I'm looking for worshipers. And it's amazing to me, if you've read many of the accounts of Jesus, a lot of them end with, don't tell anyone who I am. Don't tell anyone that I just healed you. Don't say anything. But to this woman, he reveals his identity. There's not very many places when he just openly says, yep, I'm the Messiah. But this is one of them. To this woman, I am he. I am the one. I'm who you're looking for. And in restoration, we, our lives are restored when we realize Jesus He's the one we're actually looking for. And that's what they're doing at the mission, you know, Jesus is what you're actually looking for. And that's what we want to offer to people. Jesus is the one you're actually looking for. That's where rest that's where recovery happens. And then the third phase was restoration. Like how do we put a life back together? How do we we change things? How do you contribute? Uh, so there's a little, we're going to jump in the story to verse 39, but you know, Jesus disciples come back. This lady heads to town. They, they uh, try to give Jesus lunch and he said, you know, I'm full. I've been doing God's work. I am full. I'm filled. So, uh, so in the meanwhile, this woman goes and draws the whole town out to Jesus. So we pick up the story in verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. Then they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world." What I loved in that description of Hans is that when someone begins to be restored, they have something to contribute. And I've, I forget the name of the training, but I've been in other trainings where they talk about what is poverty like from the inside. And the words that describe it are not, I don't have a house, I don't have any money, I'm hungry. There are words like, I don't matter. I don't have a place. I don't have a voice. And so when someone is restored in Christ and back into society, they have a voice, they have something to offer, they have something to contribute. And this woman, who brings the whole town to hear Jesus? This woman, right? None of the other people, the disciples didn't. They just went to town and bought lunch and didn't invite anybody to come see Jesus. But this woman, who Jesus has offered living water, invites the town and they come here, Jesus, she has something to offer, something to contribute. And when lives get restored, people have something to offer, something to contribute. And maybe you've come from a place where you think you have nothing to offer, but in Jesus, he has a work for you to do. He has a place for you to contribute. So I just love that picture of Jesus walks people through an outreach, a recovery, a restoration. Now let's look, I actually, I ask Hans next is to tell us a story. So we're going to hear a story of this inaction.
1: Someone who just gone the whole way. So, and everyone's on a journey, right? Yeah. And uh, we had one guy that we were working closely with at one point a few years ago come into our recovery program and blew out of it in a heartbeat. Wasn't willing to deal with those deep, deep wounds. Because, I mean, it's not easy. We all got our skeletons and actually face that stuff and heal it. It's a lot of work. He comes in the door uh, he blows out.
2: And this is a guy who grew up, his dad was a pastor and was a pretty
1: Unfortunately, and and so we had a lot of angst towards the church.
2: His life starts to uh, shift. He starts to be able to be
1: like, you know what? I'm going to talk about this stuff. I'm going to talk about my dad. He brings it out. It's a safe place to do it. Chaplains are surrounding in prayer, working with him on this. He starts to come alive. He's right. He's got a lot of baggage. And this is a guy who grew up in Geneva. He grew up. He lived in Geneva. Master welder. He was helping build boats, all this, had a This guy now is riding his bike. He's going up the street. And there's a mini-mark right where Lakeview Lake Drive meets Holly Street, and he feels the Lord prompt him. So went back to the mission, got a cell phone. Said, "Hey, hey, I don't know if you remember me or not. Uh, my name's Steve." Oh, I remember you, <laughs> right? I remember. And he's like, "I just want to call and let you know I found Jesus at the mission. I'm 10 months sober. And I want to call and say I'm sorry." And the guy's like, "Hold on, hold on." Put it on the speakerphone. Honey, get over here, his wife. The man mark, This is the guy. I just want to say I'm sorry. I did wrong. If there's anything I can do to make it right, let me know. I just want to let you know if I'm doing good now. Wow. And I'm so sorry. The guy's like, you just made my my di- you made my year. No one ever does this. Right? He's riding his bike around town more. People are like, they know him because yeah. he was a fixture on Lakeway. What happened to you? He's like, I found Jesus the mission, you should come. Wow. And I'm bastard like, ambassador. Wow. For, for this life transformation work that happens when you find Christ and see, when the healing work begins, and the sins that sort of thing happens and, and and like I said he's on a journey. He's got himself in a little bit of trouble lately. <laughs> he's not out of the woods yet. Okay. But this is something that uh, uh, my intuition is telling me he'll be back. <laughs> and this is the stuff though. This is what it takes and it's evidence of a transformed life. Yeah. Is when your heart shifts and
0: Man, isn't that powerful? I want to take us to Ephesians chapter 2 and give us a, spot, a, a moment to respond right here. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 describes what Hans has just told us in that story. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It wasn't just that this gentleman was saved, and he began a process of, of reaching out and doing good works and apologizing. And, and so I just want to give us a moment to respond right here, wherever this is touching you. Uh, Maybe you need to come to Jesus or back to Jesus. Maybe you need to open up something that's deep in your heart. And this is a moment just to do that. Uh, Maybe there's a a good work he's just tapping on your heart and you need to pray about how, how to carry it out. Or maybe this is a moment I want you to pray for somebody else. Someone in our early service reminded me, he said, During my prayer time, I pray for this person who's not in bondage to addiction and not on the street. He's actually prosperous. And that's a whole different kind of bondage and a whole different kind of deception, a whole different kind of thing that's keeping him from Christ. And so maybe this is a moment you're going to pray and bring someone's name that's in bondage for, in, a, in a negative way, in a positive way, that in whatever the way, they're far from Jesus. And he needs to do an outreach and a, and a recovery and restoration. So let's just use this as a moment of response, either you coming to Jesus, or you confessing something in there, or you praying for another person. Pastor Mark's going to play And then just sing a song that just describes what Jesus is doing. So let's just respond in this moment.
2: love that's calling. There's a chair that waits for you. A hand of prayer who understands everything you're going through. cross you've been forgiven you're accepted as you are
0: Lord Jesus, we do thank you that we can bring everything to you and anything to you, and there's healing, there's forgiveness, there's new life. I just pray for anyone that this moment's touching, in this room, watching this, Lord, that they would come to you and be healed in you and know they're wanted, and whatever's holding them back can be forgiven. And we just pray for our own lives that we would not stay away. Even if we have messed up bad, we'd come back. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you that you restore. Thank you that you free us. Thank you that you are glorified in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One more section here, and it's focused on how do we get involved? What do we do? How do we respond with our life? Let's watch section four.
1: where you can plug in okay. as a volunteer. I mean, especially if you young people doing these electric scooters, testing out coffee, that's an incredible way to get involved. Okay. Uh, okay. It's going to be super fun. Uh, but also for folks that maybe don't Unsettling, and to have to go work with it. I mean, it's it's a bit of an adventure for some, for others. I like just need help stuffing envelopes, you know, uh, things like that. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to plug in, but my encouragement though is be thoughtful about how you're plugging in, and is it a, is it advancing a transformed life, or is it? Keeping mission.org follow us on Facebook Uh, follow us on social media, get the truth and honestly it's really helpful uh, to get the truth of the services that are offered and make say it online when you see these things of misinformation going out like crazy, say no So we need.
0: I encourage you to just take that challenge seriously to ask God this week, what does he want you to do? How can you enter in? Who does he want you to reach to be a real uh, just champion for the Lighthouse Mission? Uh, I encourage you to give, pray, support. They're doing amazing transformational work in our community. And then just to remember that I love that picture he painted that the king lifts your face up and says, I use broken people. So let's respond with this song too. We want to we want to be those people who build our life on Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you that you would call our name, that you would say, I have work prepared in advance. You already have stuff you want us to do, that you made us for, and you redeemed us too. Help us to respond in it and to do it. Help us to have hearts that reach out and, in, a, in a helpful way, in a way that draws people to you and not keeps people stuck. Lord, guide us. Guide the mission, protect the mission, protect Hans, Lord, as he takes arrows and, and the slings and the hostility and verbal abuse, and yet they want to see people change. Protect them and continue to give them favor with our city officials and, and draw more and more people out of where they're stuck into you, Lord. And we just thank you in Jesus' name, amen.